0: to read this to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, we just heard these words and we'll read them again. And Paul writes by the Spirit to the church in a town called Thessalonica. He says, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction and he goes on and he says in spite of severe suffering you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. It's God's word. And, you know, it's one thing to read those kind of words uh, of, of people living out their faith and being encouraged by that in, in the midst of suffering. It's another thing to see it in our modern day life. Does that play out today? People suffering for the gospel in very real, real ways. who are being faithful even in spite of circumstances. I want to read to you an email that circulated recently of events in Iraq. Um, Some of our mission partners there in in LCMS church presence in Iraq itself um, came through originally through the Oklahoma District as well as some connections at at Concordia, Irvine. And uh, this is what it said uh, in regard to uh, Dan and Marilyn Wilson, Lutheran missionaries in uh, Iraq. It said this, please pray for them. There are missionaries in the areas that are being attacked by ISIS, and they're asking to be showered in prayer. As ISIS has taken over the town they are in today, they they said ISIS is systematically going house to house to all the Christians and asking the children, this is noteworthy, the children to denounce Jesus. So far, not one child has, and so far, all have consequently been killed but not their parents. The UN has withdrawn and the missionaries are on their own, and they're determined to stick it out for the sake of the families, even if it means their own deaths. While they are afraid, and who wouldn't be, they have no idea how to even begin to minister to those families who have seen their children martyred in front of them. Yet they say that They know God has called them there for some reason to be His voice and hands at this place, at this time. Even so, they're they're begging for prayers, for courage to live out their vocation in such dire circumstances. And like the children, to accept martyrdom if they are called to do so. These brave parents instilled such fervent faith in their children that they choose martyrdom. Please surround them in their loss with your prayers for hope hope. And endurance and perseverance can you imagine watching a child be beheaded because that's actually how they've been going about this systematically in front of parents this is hard and you know I got to be honest I I didn't want to preach this today I want to talk about this because you know what it's uncomfortable It doesn't fit within our American ideal of comfort and and safety and freedom to hear stories like this that are very real, that are happening every single day, and this is nothing new. We don't want to ponder that. We want to think about it. We'd rather go about our, our lives in the comfort of the way we're used to. We don't want to ponder this. But I think not to think about it is is actually wrong because I believe our God would have us ponder it a little bit today. As uncomfortable as it may be, we need to become a little more accustomed to what this means. And and, and just to focus on this a little bit, there's some some facts out there, statistics, in terms of Christianity and persecution. I want to share some of those facts with you. Um, As we look at, in recent days... particular. Here's one. Uh, Christians are the most persecuted religious group worldwide. An average of at least 180 Christians around the world are killed each month for their faith. Um, That is a conservative estimate, and and really, as you look at facts and figures on this, sometimes you'll see much, much more than that, because there is a difference. You might say Christians that are persecuted or killed um, politically just because they're associated, as it often is in the case of Americans, um, targeted as being Christians, even if they're not Christian by faith, because they're part of a nation that is known in many places as a Christian nation, they get targeted. But this is more conservative in that it's sensing and really depicting those who truly are being martyred because they're standing on the ground for Jesus' name. 180, on average, are killed for their faith each month in the world. In many places, we'll see. Um, Another fact we want to point out today. Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Christ. Uh, Topping that list often is North Korea, uh, where just for having a Bible, you will be tortured or often put to death. Uh, other places like Iran, where Pastor Saeed has been in the news for a long time in Christian circles for being imprisoned for his faith in Jesus and his refusal to recant that he 's been in prison for a long, long time now and and uh, he 's an American. Uh, You don't always hear a lot about him in the press unless you dive into the Christian press and realize we have an American pastor who's been held in Iran for an extended period of time. Places like China where people are also uh, tortured systematically for faith in Jesus and or if they are found with an illegal, uh, non-registered Bible, they can be actually put to death. And, And on record, China has many martyrs on record again and again, one of the leading nations that. Of Christian persecution places like India as well or or others that in Pakistan you've maybe heard me tell of a friend of mine who was a pastor in Pakistan who was beat up for preaching Jesus uh, it, it is very real and and it's it's happening around us um, another fact we want to look at in 41 of the 50 worst nations for persecution Christians are being persecuted by Islamic extremists um, That is, if you've ever thought, doesn't it seem, well, it is. It's very much true. Islamic extremism is the primary factor in Christian persecution today. It's not the only one. Um, In in India, for instance, it's often Hindu extremists that are at the hands of of killing Christians uh, or or other factors. But it is true that is a big push in our world today is Islamic extremism. So if you've sensed that and wondered that, yes, it is true in 41... Out of the 50 uh, countries with the most persecution, that is in fact the case. It's also true that if you've ever heard this, that in the last century, uh, the 20th century was the bloodiest century on record in in human history in terms of the number of Christians. It it accounted for half of those Christians that were martyred in the faith were murdered and martyred in the last century than all other centuries combined. And right now, in this new century, in the 21st century, we're on, on track again to be the bloodiest even beyond that. Uh, horrendous. And it happens every day. But it shouldn't surprise us. Uh, we shouldn't be so sheltered to think that, that this doesn't happen. It happens in our eyes as believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus. shouldn't be surprised that people are being put to death or tortured for the faith. I mean, after all, our Savior Jesus even said it would be so. Uh, we read those words in the gospel today where, where Jesus predicts it, and, and he makes it clear to, to his disciples that he says this. He says, you know, if the world hates you, in essence, don't be surprised. Keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. And he goes on, he says, they will treat you this way because of of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. Because of the name. Because we bear the name of Jesus. I've told you this, Jesus says, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Imagine someone putting us to death thinking they're doing this for God. Sound familiar? We see it around us again and again. I'll show you another picture here of Maybe you've seen this on the internet or seen it on. if you're a Facebook follower. A lot of people put this as their personal avatar in solidarity with Christians in Iraq. Um, is, raise your hand if you recognize what this is, what that symbol is. Uh, very few hands going up, and that's so why I'm glad I'm bringing this up. This is actually an Arabic N, the letter N. It it's, it's a symbol that ISIS, as they've systematically gone through neighborhoods to mark homes where Christians live, they put this symbol on the outside of the house, whether they spray paint it or they paint it on, um, and, and it's an N, which marks that house as a house that follower follows the Nazarene, the Nazarite, and, and, and you think about that. Uh, you know, in, in Matthew, that, that prophecy that when Messiah would come, that he would be known as a Nazarene. Remember when, when Philip is reaching out to Nathan, that he's found the Messiah, and, and, and remember Nathan says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and Philip says, come and see. You know, Jesus was known as one who came from Nazareth, and the Nazarene, and, and so those who bear the name, even today, of those who bear the name of Jesus, they bear that N letter. Uh, they're, they're ones who follow that Nazarite, that one from Nazarene. And how significant today, being persecuted for the name of, of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, don't be surprised when it happens. It, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We, we shouldn't be surprised that blood has been shed for following Jesus. As sheltered as we've become, it is normal to be, be in persecution mode. It's been the history of our church. You know, I would encourage you, open Scripture with me. We're going to just page through and just see how this played out in in the early church. We're going to turn to the book of Acts. And Acts really picks it up as the second gospel of Luke where... Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry, is is seemingly concluding, and yet it's only just beginning as, as that Spirit is outpoured, and Jesus makes it clear, you know, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You will bear my name. You will be witnesses. And we get to Acts chapter 1, and Jesus ascending into heaven, and then we get to Acts chapter 2. And if you turn there with me, it's right here in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the Spirit is outpoured. Peter stands up, addresses the crowd, and, and tells them what's going on. Bears witness to Jesus' name. And then we get to chapter 2, verse 38. This is where I wanted to pick, pick it up. As, as the crowd is cut to the heart, they say, what must we do and in response to this message? And that's when Peter replied, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name, there it is, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God does the calling. God does the saving. And in, through our baptism, we, we are given a name. God gives us the name of Jesus. And that Holy Spirit in us That as Jesus promised that Holy Spirit would empower God's people to bear witness to his name and and by that he didn't mean that Oh, okay when life is good and everything's wonderful and comfortable then you'll bear witness and it'll always be easy for you that's not what he was saying that through thick or thin no matter what our circumstances even when it's hard to be a follower of Jesus you because of the spirit in you because you've been crucified and now you live because I rose again from the dead. God lives in you and you will bear witness for me. And so they did. This promise that was given over that early church and that spirit that lived in them. Just keep paging with me. You know, things were going really well. And then we get to chapter 5 of Acts. The church, and you know, we find these just beautiful moments of of community and unity in the church. And then we get to to chapter 5, and we find out in verse 17 that the apostles are going to be persecuted, and it happens. You know, the high priests and his associates were members of the party of the Sadducees. They were filled with jealousy, it says. They arrested the apostles and put them in in public jail, and and we get this miraculous release and and, and this this encouragement that goes on, and all the way through to the end of that chapter where they gather them together and they refuse them, you know, to talk about the name of Jesus. And and then we find as Gamaliel stands up to address them. And and, and then it says in verse 40 that they called the apostles in and they had them flogged. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they, in this case, let them go. And you just, oh, they flogged them. Okay, big deal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, Are you kidding me? Remember what flogging meant? Jesus was flogged, and and they put pieces of glass on the end of of leather strands, and they would rip your back open, exposing your flesh and your muscles. Many times people would bleed to death, being flogged. This is a big deal. They were flogged to death. And that the 40 lashes minus one of the Roman government, I mean, this, this kind of thing is, imagine that kind of pain That gruesome treatment for bearing the name of Jesus. You would expect, you know, the apostles at this point, like, okay, it's been fun up to this point. Uh, You know what, Jesus, this isn't what I signed up for. I know you ascended into heaven. You said you'd give us power from on high. Uh, But enough's enough. You know what, can we just go back to life as normal? But notice what the reaction is. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, and what's it say? rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the the name in other words the name of Jesus are they crazy I mean who says that you get flogged your back is exposed and raw and there's strips of muscle just hanging there and you say all right that was awesome what's going on here how can we explain this? And maybe we need to realize what they're really saying. They rejoiced because they were counted worthy. Like what? Worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. You know, I, we could just reflect on that for a long time because I, I wonder if because we're so sheltered from this reality in our freedom, and there's nothing wrong with freedom, praise God for it, but if we grow kind of just... Uh, insensitive to suffering for the gospel, where we start to take it for granted, or we start to think it's all about complaining about what's wrong and how everything's falling apart and we're not a Christian nation anymore, and whining about that. You know what? They rejoiced in the face of suffering for the name of Jesus. I wonder if we're there anymore. They saw their Savior die gruesomely but then they realized because he conquered that death, he gave them victory. He appeared to them and he made it clear that this, is, this world isn't what it's all about. God has given us so much more in the mercy, in the grace, in the love of a God who would love them that much and the thought of bearing that name of the one who would love them in such a way gave them of all things joy, Whoa. Just to show you how God has a sense of irony in all of this, you know, this, this persecution gets worse and worse. We get to chapter 7 and, and there's this guy named Stephen and, and he ends up, we find out, being stoned to death and put to death by this angry mob because he bears the name of Jesus. And, and it's there that, that Stephen, uh, he, he has this vision in the face of the stoning. He, he sees heaven open up and he sees Jesus standing at the, the right hand of God. And, and I always love that verse because um, it never caught it until I was at seminary. I did a paper on it. It caught my attention that Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Usually, what do we think of Jesus his position at the right hand of God looking like? Usually he's what? He's sitting, right? Every reference in Scripture is always of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, except in that one place at the end of chapter 7, where Stephen sees Jesus standing. And learn this, that there's a Christian tradition out there based on that verse that says that whenever someone dies for their faith, that Jesus stands. Um, Now, we're reading between the lines here, but it's kind of neat to think about. And would certainly be a beautiful picture that our Savior stands for those who martyr, who bear his name in the midst of severe suffering. Jesus stood that day. And to show the irony here is who's giving approval for his death? A man by the name of Saul, who's there and who would be ambushed by the Holy Spirit and become one of the greatest missionaries of all time, and yet he was one who was putting Christians to death. You know, I I bring that up today because I think a lot of times this persecution breaks out against the church and it's scattered and they go every way and and it says that they couldn't help but speak about the word of God. They preached the word wherever they went. I think sometimes we forget We just get mad at the enemy. We just say how evil ISIS is, and it is. It is not a regime of God, it is evil. Or others that would persecute Christians. But sometimes we forget that in God's economy, God can use persecution for the good of the church. Just like there's Saul giving approval for the death of Stephen. Who would have ever expected that he would be one who would become a believer? I mean, today, as you look at at some of the movement of ISIS or in the past uh, and other dictators or others that have put down Christianity, can you imagine if God had his way and through the faithfulness of God's people suffering in the face of persecution, that God would bring them to faith, to become diplomats of his grace to a world? Talk about the power of God. You know, that's what we have in saw who becomes Paul, who who Paul then some chapters later as we get to Acts chapter 15 into Acts 17 would go to a place called Thessalonica and would bear witness in the face of persecution, a mob, an angry mob where he would have to flee from Thessalonica but not before a church is planted. And that church would grow in the gospel and Paul would write them and say, and encourage them in their faith and say how they are inspired by hope in the face of persecution and suffering through the name of Jesus. Oh man, when God has his way, anything's possible. You know, today as we find our gift of freedom here and as we focus on the gift of life in Jesus and bearing the name of Jesus as called children of God through our baptism. May we not ignore what's happened in the church and what is happening in the church throughout the world. And may we give it time in prayer and be encouraged by those who bear faith and witness to Jesus. And may we too, when our time comes, if God gives us that opportunity, may we be faithful too. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, we do lift up before you today. Christian missionaries like Dan and Marilyn Wilson and others throughout the world who bear witness to you in severe persecution. We often, Lord, take it for granted. We do. We fail to bear witness even in the midst of freedom. Lord, may we be encouraged today and ignited through your spirit to be bold not as complainers, not in retaliation of the world, but, Lord, rather in the grace and the love of Jesus to stand steadfast in the faith. Lord, we thank you for the women, the men, the children who have stood steadfast in their faith throughout the history of your church. And we pray especially for those in current days that are facing it even right now. Lord, give them boldness, give them strength, but we also ask you, Lord God, in the midst of that faithful witness, even to death, that you would bear fruit through their blood, that those who persecute, even they would have a change of heart and be drawn to that amazing grace of Almighty God to become part of those who bear the name of Jesus rather than fighting against it. Lord, thank you for the gift we share here today of knowing you and being called according to your purpose. Bless us in our faithfulness to you. We pray it in powerful name of Jesus as you live, Jesus, resurrected as the head that cannot be beheaded. We praise you for your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.